0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Boink Radio Podcast, your weekly roundup of boink news and science news and some fun other stuff like tea and whatnot. Hey, who knows? I got the wrong tea. (laughs) That is Delta, and I am your other host, Jay Ringo. And, Delta, how can you have a wrong type of tea? It doesn't taste nice.
1: (laughs) Well, throw it
0: out and make a new tea. (laughs)
1: no but i mean i don't want to waste it but yeah it's uh what is it's uh chamomile with honey and vanilla and i'll tell you what it smells like and what it tastes like it tastes like it smells and tastes like one of those like fancy vanilla candles that you get at like a uh, bed and bath place
0: yep that's that sounds like it tastes disgusting although it sort of does (laughs) that's why i put a lot of honey into it They smell good, but I don't think I'd ever want to eat one. But it's still better than what I guessed before the show started of just ground peppercorn in water. So I'm glad that is not your tea.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely not drinking that. (laughs) But I'll tell you one thing, Uh, with the honey that I put in this morning, it's actually interesting. The honey was particleised. So it was in my cupboard and it was just sitting there and uh, I go to scoop it out and it's pretty much almost almost solid. And uh, two things, if your honey particleises, you know it's uh, very pure honey, so it's been largely unprocessed. And uh, also it's because it's actually getting colder over here. (laughs) We're heading towards autumn, so... Uh, it, was has been, it was just oh, summer. It was and the is getting very Yeah. The the um the temperature is actually getting pretty comfortable here. Like for the last couple of days it's only been around um 27 to 29 degrees Celsius. You'll have to convert that to freedom units. So I don't have it up this time. <laughs>
0: I'm not uh, even gonna try it. I'm not ready. For
1: us here in Australia, it's pretty comfortable. For you guys over there, you'll be sweating.
0: This is so confusing though, because it was just summer, and then it was spring, and now it's autumn. I feel like Australia goes through four seasons every month, and I don't know. I'm confused. It's like that in. (laughs) It's like that during the summer, because
1: I mean, you get all the violent weather that's coming, and you can check out my other project brief I did, where I talk about how the weather works. um but during the winter it's usually just winter over here. There's nothing really special.
0: Well that sounds awfully boring. <laughs> also hey, at remote. least you can, so I'm glad. <laughs> you
1: can come skiing here. You can come skiing here. Oh I don't know Australia had Yeah, that. we have we have uh, we have the Alpine region, so yeah. If you want to come skiing, come to Australia. Don't go to Canada. That's just, ugh.
0: (laughs) Noted. So uh, to finish up the intro really quick, this is a participatory podcast. Anyone is welcome to join the discussion, whether it's about tea, science, or a Boink project, or whatever we're talking about. You can join us every Friday at 4 p.m. EST on the Boink Network Discord. The the link to the Discord is on the website, boink.network, or you can follow us at Boink Network on Twitter. Uh, or you can follow me or Delta on Twitter as well. Uh, I don't know our names off the top of their head, but they're they're shared by the at Boink Network Twitter. So just follow them. Uh, today, I think we got some science news for you, and uh, we're going to talk about Boink projects that we cannot do, which will be interesting. Nice little twist there. Uh, so yeah, Flipping the tables. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to go to conference with you and with just run around yeah. and flip the, flip the tables. Just run around room flipping <laughs> tables. Oh, thank you, Appy. 27 degrees Celsius is 80.6 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> and Appy also adds 27 degrees Celsius is 300 Kelvin. That sounds so hot. I don't know why that sounds so hot. Probably because no one uses Kelvin in the real world. And Only zero in Kelvin size. is like
1: absolute zero, which is like negative 300 and something degrees. So
0: Yeah, that's... Uh, Cold, but let's get to it, huh? So, we've got an interesting article this week titled Scientists Discover First Known Non Oxygen Breathing Animal. Um, so, Delta, Delta, you know how you're always like, eh, mitochondria is powerhouse, the cell, you know, quoting I mean, Bill Nye. Well, well, guess what? what? Not for these guys! Oh, -oh. damn. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think they even have mitochondria. So this is, uh, the link will be in the description below as usual, but this is a little parasite that hides in the muscles of salmons and is less than 10 cells. Follow-up question, just that little fact. Is it salmon? Is that the plural? Or is it salmons? I I don't know. I mean, (laughs) I've never actually thought of the plural (laughs) of salmon. That's a good point. Is it salamine? Like moose meat, sort of thing? Siamen? No, the L is silent. <laughs> no, you definitely always pronounce the L in salmon. <laughs> okay. Well, if anyone knows the answer to that, please comment on a video or join us or tweet at us so we know what the plural of salmon is. Anyway, the research for this was done at uh, a Tel Aviv university uh, and. Basically, they just discovered this parasite, and it's really confusing, I suppose, or interesting. You know, it's one of those discoveries that really uh, goes against a widely held notion. So, uh, it reminds us that science is not truth. Science is not the answer. Science is an answer that best fits what we can currently observe until proven otherwise. So, you know, it was previously believed that uh, every animal. Basically, breathe oxygen, and that as we evolve forward, uh, things get more complex. Turns out, both of those are wrong. Here's an animal that doesn't breathe oxygen, and I will say they don't know how it creates energy yet. They're still researching it, and it actually de-evolved the ability to breathe, breathe oxygen, so they say. So it had the ability to breathe oxygen at one point, and then it lost it, so it became simpler. So that disproved two axioms, I suppose. I don't know if that's the right word. Let's go with it. Uh, so this is my favorite type of science. The stuff that reminds us that science is not reality. Science is just observation. More yeah,
1: and uh, as Occam's razor uh, as Occam's Razor states, I mean, the more simpler systems are chance, chances are going to be the most effective system. So in this case, it might have evolved to say, hey, look, I, I don't really need oxygen to live. I mean, I'm a parasite. I can get all my energy from my host. So why have all this big system to breathe when I can be more efficient and just not breathe?
0: Yeah, and to rephrase that, because I'm a freaking pet peeve about this, it didn't choose to do anything. What happened is people, or the parasite evolved or um, mutated into a form of itself that didn't breathe oxygen and probably that form of itself survived better than the form that was trying to breathe oxygen in a non-oxygen breathing environment because it was more efficient it didn't need to breathe this oxygen to survive so those that survived better which were the ones that didn't breathe oxygen continued to reproduce at a better rate than those who continue to try to breathe oxygen use the energy to maintain mitochondria So it was not a proactive choice to no longer breathe oxygen.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, it doesn't necessarily mean that they can't survive with oxygen. It might also mean that they simply reproduce more if they don't have oxygen.
0: Yeah, they're like not wasting that energy maybe. It's just an evolutionary, a biological advantage to not have to have the mitochondria anymore. Because mitochondria is not the powerhouse of the cell. Ha ha! <laughs>
1: the ten cells are the powerhouse of the cell. Yeah, because this thing is only ten cells, it's actually it's pretty easy to mutate. Uh, it's it's pretty malleable in that sense. Whereas with us humans, we got a huge like genome, and then we got like species and stuff, and like DNA and <laughs> <Yeah>. RNA. <laughs> so we got too much complex don't stuff. Don't
0: go, don't go. Put in your your head in a plastic bag, thinking that you'll evolve the ability to survive without oxygen. That would that would not work. Um, Darwin is not per- proud of you. Uh, another little fact here about this 10 celled cutie. Uh, cutie. It's, it's a relative. <laughs> it's a relative. <laughs> it is a relative to jellyfish and coral. So, jellyfish, I already think, are fascinated. And now there's this little jellyfish relative, little cute cousin of jellyfish that doesn't have mitochondria, doesn't breathe oxygen, lives in a muscle of salmon, which are delicious. So, maybe we eat them unintentionally when we're eating salmon. That's what I want to ask the scientists. Uh, and, and here it is cute it's jellyfish coral i didn't know that jellyfish and coral were related so that's an interesting thing and it may
1: or may not dig into your muscles when you eat raw salmon
0: wait what oh this parasite (laughs) it is a parasite
1: so if you eat raw salmon i don't know but i'm not speculating or anything but it might come into raw salmon and like oh if you eat the parasite then i don't know it might get digested properly or it might infect your muscles
0: (laughs) Maybe it'll act like a virus at some point and inject its its RNA or whatever, its genetic material into some of our cells and then we'll evolve the ability to not to de evolve the <laughs> ability to breathe with oxygen. So you're going full Spider Man now, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. I am right. salmon parasite man. <laughs> well yeah, if we oh, don't that's... need to breathe,
1: then we don't need to bring all the extra breathing kit onto the International Space Station. So that'll help us in space. <laughs>
0: there we go. And you can't well, no, you could still get coronavirus through a mucous membrane. Never mind. Aw. Damn. Well, we wouldn't have the... It's a respiratory virus, though, so you wouldn't need to breathe, so maybe you wouldn't, it, the virus wouldn't matter. Okay, well, I think we should probably stop now, because now we're going on to the topic of what <laughs> humans would look like if they
1: don't breathe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm very blue. It looked like that. Uh, the, the girl from Willy Wonka that it's... What, what is it? Blueberry candy? I don't remember. Gum. It's gum. She yeah, 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 the gum. <laughs> So another little tidbit here from this uh, this article: there are other organisms that don't use oxygen to um, to breathe, essentially, but they have never been animals. They're fungus, ameas, amedia, <laughs> amoebas. <Meteors. laughs> Or, uh, cili- ciliate lineages. I have no idea what those are. Oh, I think I know what those are. Um, they're Here's silicon the based life chat. forms.
1: Yeah, um, I remember. The three is. Oh, no, not that one. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. Never mind. <laughs> that,
0: that's, uh. Hold on, hold on. Don't do you have to hear this. I hit a button and. Oh, my God, no. Oh, <laughs> my God, no. You did it. You did it. That was not intentionalized. Sorry, that's
1: what were you saying say about the blue ciliates? First. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um yeah. I was I was talking about it's probably not what you've just mentioned there because um, it starts with a C. But uh, I know there are. I remember watching a video or something on PBS Space Time. They're a great channel if you want to check them out. But they, I think they were talking about silicon-based life forms, where it's literally just like a blob of slime, and they they feed off of like oxidized minerals or something like that. I don't think they need to breathe. <laughs>
0: Huh. Yeah, I, I cool. mean, There's also it's a, a
1: hypothetical because they, they all, essentially there was an episode on what could life look like out in the universe, and I guess that was one thing that was hypothesized.
0: Oh, please. Star Trek did it first. Come on. There's that episode where they're mining into a planet. No, they're terraforming a planet, and they have to dig down into a uh, layer of salt water under the surface, and in it they find a silicon-based life form that turns out to be sentient, and it talks to data, and it's great. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> they're friends, and they ship. start building an economy. <laughs> <laughs> no one fights in it. It's completely optimistic. Great. I'm really still upset about the new Star Trek, if you haven't noticed. But <laughs> I, I sort
1: of do want like a little slime pet. I mean, <laughs> if you get a silicon-based life form, just feed it like iron ore or something like that.
0: <laughs> that would be really fun. Oh, it, it would, would uh, It would eat all the iron on plant on the planet, though. We would be back to building houses out of wood. Yeah, probably. <laughs> i mean we could give all it right. scrap metal <laughs> that'll solve that our scrap metal yeah. problem we have a whole we'd have to like put it in a in a biosphere or something like that a biodome with Polly shore paul paul right, i think i should continue <laughs> <laughs> that's all i really got for this one uh it's a really cool discovery coming out of tel aviv university again the professor that did the main research is dorothy Hutchon? Hutchon or huchan i don't know um uh yeah tell 10 10-celled organism, lives in salmon, doesn't need oxygen. Link in the description below. Give it a read. Pretty cool stuff. Um, if no one has any other thoughts on that, we will move right on, Let's go. But first, you know, uh, we gotta do that thing about who, who sponsors this show. Delta. Delta. I, forgot I keep forgetting what know? letter they start with. They start with a J? Uh, you remembered last time that they started with an L. That's the only part you remember. Oh, <laughs> damn. Okay. L <laughs> then. Alright, what's the next one? Is it a D? it is a b <laughs> r y <laughs> it is library.science wow. uh yeah library.science is a uh, little community that focuses on the creation of science news, the creation and curation of scientific content like this podcast and some other stuff we got in the wings and the spread of science literary, literacy, communication and education along with the advancement of the dsci system which is the decentralized system of science they are supported by this community and platform and uh, web 3.0 network called library lbry you can visit library at library.tv it is a centralized content hosting platform it's essentially like youtube And there's some other really cool stuff that you can do with the protocol uh, that breaks way beyond what YouTube can do. Uh, But do check them out, library.tv, lbry.tv, or library.com, lbry.com. Or they just released a, a nonprofit today. Or the nonprofit's been being developed, but they just announced it. Uh, you can visit that at lbry.org, and that will hook you into the library community, where there's a bunch of other stuff going on, including library science. So huge shout out to them, and thank you for the support. Woo! All right, <laughs> Delta. Yeah. We've been talking about projects, and you've been talking about projects specifically in your project briefs, boink projects that already exist. Anyone listening to this, we just recorded uh, another project brief right before this recording of the boink radio. It was on Asteroids at Home. Delta does a great job of breaking down boink projects and what they do and why it's wonderful. But today, you're saying, wait, there's some stuff that boink can't do? What? Correct. And I'm not going all pessimistic, but. Um,
1: we should probably discuss what Boink can't do, because it can do so much brilliant stuff. I mean, it can detect radiation with sensors, it can detect earthquakes, it can um, find prime numbers, and it could model asteroids from just the light that they give off. But there are some stuff that Boink can't do. Now, um, an example of, of something very simple that it can't do is essentially a linear project. So what a linear project is, it's something that requires you to complete something in a logical order. So you can't split it up, you can't do something uh, later on in the steps first, and it's you need to do it from step one to step two to step three to step four, and there's no other alternatives. A good example is calculating the digits of pi. So In order to calculate the decimal digits of pi, you need to know the previous decimal digit and the remainder that you got from the division. So you can't just say, oh, um, this computer is going to be doing the millionth digit of pi. This computer is going to be doing the uh, million ten thousandth digits of pi. Um, You just can't do that. You need to have the number from pi and the remainder in order to continue the division. Uh, Another, um,
0: yeah. There's only two digits of pi. One and then zero. I'm talking... The pi and then not the pi when I don't eat it already. (laughs)
1: Sorry. There's also the tea and not the tea, and I'm going to drink it now because that was painful. (laughs) Okay. uh, Another example of a linear project is what's called n-body projects. Now, n-bodies aren't human bodies. It's astronomical bodies. Uh, and essentially what n-body projects do is they calculate the trajectory of objects in space. So based on gravity, they predict, oh, this object's going to fly here and then go around there and up to there. Now. With this sort of project, you can't necessarily say, oh, you're going pre- to predict the 1 millionth year progression of this object, and this computer is going to predict the 2 millionth year progression of that object. You just can't do that because you need to know where the object was first of all. And if you don't have an equation for that, especially in an n-body system with hundreds and hundreds of different planets and everything orbiting around each other, you just simply can't do that. Um, and But the only problem with that is that you can actually say, oh, let's get this guy to simulate the system with that starting point, and then get that guy to simulate the system with that starting point. So that's one way you can distribute it, but you can't work on a single end body project from multiple computers. That just doesn't work. And so that explains just the basic um, mechanism of how you can't do projects on Boink with linear projects. Cause <clears throat> To explain a little bit of how Boink works, essentially you take a problem and you split it up and you hand it out to all the different computers. Or you take one problem and then you duplicate it with the different parameters so you can see what happens when you change things. And that gets handed out to computers. And then for sensor projects, you say, okay, uh, we want this sensor to record this much data. We want that sensor to record that much data. Give us the data and we'll amass it. Uh, and that's pretty much the three types of projects that you can have in Boink. Now, there are there have been different types of projects that come about, like for example, DHEP, which is more or less a parameter type program where you get different parameters sent to different computers. Except all the computers sort of talk back to the server every 15 minutes, for example, in DHEP. The old project, now it's unfortunately dead. It was a really great project. Um, and yeah, you have some little weird tweaks in projects like that, but most of them are either you split up a you split up a task, you change parameters, or you use sensors. So those are the three types of projects. Now, another example of a project that you can't do on Boink is real-time applications. Because of the nature of Boink, what needs to happen is you get work sent to your computer. Your computer takes time to do that work, and then that, the results essentially get sent back. And once they get sent back, you then need to wait for another person or another computer to complete their work in order to, um, in order to validate that task. And then once that task is validated, the server will say, okay, we now have a result. Now, you can't have real, real-time real applications with that because simply it, it just not, it's not real-time anymore. It, it's being processed, it takes time to process, it takes time to validate, and then you get some delayed data. So you can't have real-time projects on Boink, and that's just the nature of um, distributed computing. For example, you have real-time applications like web servers and game servers and everything on centralized servers, and that's what they're best for. You can't run a game server on 50 different computers at once. And I'm talking a single game server, not 50 different game servers.
0: Yet. I think Yet.
1: <laughs> you never know. We might get to a stage where our networking between our computers is so fast that we can actually do it. So, but in current stages, we're not at that stage. So, I'm, I'm a bit unfortunate.
0: Yeah, I'm wondering how, like, so... Uh... S is, is Boink the only program out there or is there more? So Boink is the infrastructure for this distributed computing. And I think the, a lot of the issues that Delta is bringing up are basic issues with the concept of distributing computing, where you have a problem and you break it up and you throw it out to computers. And then a computer, each computer does an independent task and then sends the, the results of that independent task back to a server. So I think these issues would be... Uh, issues across any distributed computing infrastructure out there. Am I right about that? Yeah,
1: yeah, pretty much. Um, But, I mean, some people might have figured out a way to make another distributed type of infrastructure that solves one of these problems. Um, I don't know of any that have solved the problems yet, but I can tell Oppie that there are other different distributed computing programs out there. Not not just Boink. There are lots of other different ones.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot coming uh, out of the wings, too, because distributed computing is a huge, huge uh, ecosystem, a huge uh, potential for... a someone to capitalize on because particularly how uh, the internet of things seems to be evolving so when we have all these smart cars talking to each other and uh mapping out roads for them to drive on and different routes for them to take they're going to have to be computing uh, communicating and computing at the same time with one another so we have this internet of things and edge computing is what it's called uh and that's similar i think to distributing computing at least in concept so if if that were possible, if edge computing were possible on a distributed computing infrastructure, that infrastructure will be used immediately by huge companies like Tesla and uh, other sort of edge computing uh, companies because they're going to need it. We're going to have to have all that stuff talking to each other. Uh, and 5G, which is the new network infrastructure that's being developed and being deployed at this point, is like, you know, 4G enabled Instagram and enabled photo sharing and the the social media platforms that exist today, Twitter and all that stuff. 5G is supposed to enable uh, because of its huge, huge advancements in speed, uh, is supposed to enable edge computing and the Internet of Things. So I think we're going to be seeing this stuff in the next 5 to 10 years sort of crop up, just like after 4G we saw Instagram and photo sharing and that sort of thing crop up in 5 to 10 years. Yeah, that's exactly uh, so what I was saying. With,
1: as, as you get more faster networks, you'll be able to do distributed computing that is for a real-time application uh, but in the case of boink essentially it's not possible um, in its current stage but yeah, anyway moving on uh, another project that is actually not impossible but it's really really difficult to do uh, it's ai projects and big data so one issue with ai projects and big data is that essentially they have lots of data so it's going to put pressure on a Boink server to send all that data to you and it's going to put a lot of pressure on your machine to store all that data and if you have so much data you have to process so much of it and it's it's just really difficult sending it all, all over the place it's just really not efficient and then not only that you have to get validation so you have to send at least two copies of the data to uh, around the world to two computers and then if one of those computers fail then you have to send that other set of data to that computer again and then oh it's just it's a mess with big data and AI. It's really difficult to put on Boink, but I mean it is possible. It's although it's very very difficult, and that's why we haven't really seen that many AI projects here. Uh, and I'm talking training AI, not implementing AI, but training them, because training them takes up lots and lots and lots and lots of data in order to essentially train the network. And then you can use that network for something. And I'm pretty sure there are some Boink projects that use a neural network or an AI um, in order to do stuff, but they don't train it. And that's that's one big issue.
0: Yeah, like in uh, as an example here, last week, uh, we talked about, um, oh wow, what was the news? Oh, right. They discovered a new antibiotic by using AI or machine learning to analyze a whole bunch of known drugs and how they operate, known molecules. And then that machine learning created an algorithm or an application that they then used to examine a bunch of other molecules that haven't been examined for the antibiotic properties. I mean, the neural network is and- the
1: application. So. <laughs> okay. All right. I don't yeah, know. And it's it's an algorithm. I mean, it, it's sort of like it creates, it, it's sort of its own algorithm and the way that it because essentially, the uh, point of uh, artificial intelligence and neural networks is that you don't actually know how they work. So somehow within them, they've created their own like little algorithm or something between their nodes inside of them that say, oh, yeah, this is this, and that is that, and it performs quite
0: well. Yeah, that's what I said. Anyway, <laughs> so it creates its own thing. It doesn't create an application. I guess like, you could put it like that. <laughs> I just they, want to be clear. They, it doesn't
1: create an application like a program or something, but it is its own it, application. It learns,
0: <laughs> yeah, it learns how to recognize molecules in a specific way. And then it, uh, so then they took that machine learning and put in uh, 100 million molecules to determine how they how they function. Uh, so that that's sort of what Delta is grabbing right there. It's really cool. But yeah, Boink can't do it. Uh And it's not like, but it it would be, yeah. If you had a machine, uh, if you had a neural net or an algorithm there, could you, put that on boink after it's trained yeah
1: yeah definitely because i mean for uh, essentially what it's called it's called a model so it's a neural network model or an ai model and with that model literally it's not that big i mean you can hand it around to different computers and let it do its stuff the only difference is when you want to try and train that model you need tons and tons and tons and tons of data to make sure you get a pretty accurate model and that's essentially the issue that i'm bringing up
0: well so that's sort of this this brings up two things first uh these things that can't be done with Boink, don't think of them as impossibilities, dear listener. Think of them as challenges to be overcome. So if you're a developer and you're like, I want to help develop this new way to use an open source software uh, with an open network, permissionless network to develop edge computing to sort of uh, sort of uh, even out the scales when some uh, private company comes up with proprietary software to do edge computing, come on in and develop edge computing for Boink. At the same time, you're sort of illustrating the uh, potential partnership between centralized supercomputing and then Boink distributed computing. You use a centralized computer to train the the, uh, uh, the model, to create the model, and then you use the Boink infrastructure to get that Uh, to use the model to discover things, right?
1: Yeah, and um, yeah, that's essentially how you can use a model to do that. Okay, so one thing that has popped up in history is um, using BitTorrent, for example, to transfer Blink tasks instead of using a centralized server. So for those of you that don't know what BitTorrent is, uh, it's opposed to systems like, for example, YouTube, where you go to YouTube to get a video file. You Instead of going directly to a single service, you say... To a whole bunch of different computers hey do you have a fragment of this file and then they all send you different fragments and then as you get those fragments you collect all the fragments together and essentially you piece together a downloaded file and rather than doing it off a centralized server which for boink is pretty intensive and you might need to spend lots of money in getting that bandwidth available to be used for the boink task you can use the collective storage of all the computers on the boink network uh, and and essentially all across different Boink projects, in order to store the tasks, store the results, upload the results, download, allow people to download the um, the work units and work on them, and then upload them again. And essentially, you can have a system where Boink uh, projects essentially don't need an upload and download server because they can just use all the all the computers on the network. Now, this might be a solution to the big data problem, but um, I think with that, you're going to need a lot and a lot of computers, so um, I don't know. Uh, and also, not to mention, the project with Boink running on BitTorrent has been dead for a while now, so uh, if you want to check out the official Boink GitHub repositories, it should be in there somewhere. It should be boink slash, uh, boink-bittorrent or something like that. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, do you have anything to say during, about that, Jeringa? During- Dringo! Dringo.
0: Dringo Unchained. Uh, <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I don't really. I think it's uh, an interesting problem, interesting challenge.
1: All right, well, uh, we'll move to the next one then. Dringo, uh, how would you like your personal information from, let's say, all your messages on Discord appearing in a Boink project? Um, all your private messages and all of your personal <laughs> oh, details. <all> my... <laughs> okay. No,
0: that wouldn't be cool.
1: I wouldn't enjoy that. Exactly. That's another project that can't go on point. It's projects that use personal data without. Ah, consent. I see where you're going with <laughs> <laughs> Now, yeah, it's a big ethical issue, and in science, um, I know I was talking to a scientist ages ago. And I was like, "Oh, well, are you going to get like lab rats or stuff to test on?" On, on because I think they were a biologist or something, and I was saying, "Oh, yeah, but we we need to go to the ethical committee first, and we've got to get that um, approved and all that sort of stuff." So uh, uh, there's a big ethical committee in b- big scientific organisations. So um, with eth- with um, ethics in boink you really don't want to be handing around personal data through boink projects and that's really not a good thing to do so that's another project that's not um possible and it's going away it's we're, we're now straying away from computing and we're going to more uh human issues rather than that
0: yeah that's uh especially with gdpr for example uh, there are a lot of, I think every Boink project at this point is implemented, but uh, there are projects now where you need to opt in to sharing just your contribution data with third-party sources. So we all know and love the site Boink Stats that compiles statistics for Boink crunching credits and teams and all that stuff. Well, if you want your crunching stats to be able to be compiled by Boeing stats you have to uh give the project permission to share that data because that is what's known as pii that personal identification personal identifying information that can be traced traced back to you and privacy is becoming a more and more uh recognizable thing on the internet so it's a great thing uh and i totally see why we don't want a uh, projects project that's just throwing um personal information to personal computers as they send out their work units and everything. And I'm wondering if like cryptography can uh, help solve this problem where you hash someone's uh, data and then send it out. Uh, I could, but hashing is more obfuscation. But I know
1: for one thing, we really do not want to see J-Ringo's DMs in a Boink project.
0: <laughs> oh, you'd love them. Slide really? on in there. <laughs> what do you think is in my DM? <laughs> what do you think's going on? Hey,
1: we can only suspect... Anyway, uh, moving on. You (laughs) should
0: hear me and you should see the conversations between me and Craig, man. It gets gets raunchy. (laughs) Here's the link for you, (laughs) J-Ringo. Come download (laughs) your podcast. (laughs) For those who don't know, Craig is the recording bear that we use to record these (laughs) podcasts. I
1: bet he sends hot and kissing emojis to you all the time.
0: Oh, man, I'm going to jump into their Discord and suggest that because yeah, <laughs> they should have done that at least on Valentine's Day. That's fair. At least
1: on Valentine's, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, moving on. Another project that you can't do is um, Zooniverse-like projects. So if you don't know what Zooniverse.org is, it's basically sort of like Boink, except instead of using your computer, you use your brain. And so with projects like that, it requires... Um, Like, really constant human intervention. So you need to go on and you need to click on stuff, and then you need to get the next work unit, and then click on more stuff and stuff like that. And the problem with that is that it's a client-based application. So it's a GUI. It has a GUI. You have to click it, and you have to go through all this different stuff. Whereas with Boink, it's what's called daemon applications. And so with these Daemon applications, they run in the background rather than having a GUI where you can click stuff and report things and uh, highlight things and type things in. And it all runs in the background. So on Boink, you can't really do those sorts of projects that Zooniverse does. And essentially, that's why Zooniverse.org exists. And Boink is essentially for doing stuff on your computer, not with your brain. So um, that's one other project that we can't do. And um, Oh, I was going to say I've, I've something. I've got
0: one question, here, unless you remember your, your thought. Um, nah, it's close. This is coming from the chat from Phoenix Archer. Is there any way to do a project that uh, studies dimensions? I'm not exactly sure <laughs> where that could go.
1: Well, I mean, you can do the multiverse theory. The thing is, how do we test that? <laughs> uh, yeah, and yeah, there's no real way to actually interact with physical matter in the universe in the way that they are saying uh, from a boink project but it is possible to make a project a sensor type project which can actually interact with the physical world um but um yeah nothing like running particle accelerators in your home or anything like that that's that's just absolutely Uh, out of question uh
0: one ridiculous response one serious response maybe we can make a sensor project uh that takes its science from the tv show fringe and just tries to sense uh riffs in the uh, between us and the clone universe. And, you know, if we have three billion people with their sensors out, we're bound to find one. Just set it at home. It just just set it at home. That sounds so much easier, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I mean, if you're going to find a but, rift, it's going to sound
1: like an alien, so uh, what do you expect?
0: <laughs> Don't
1: play the black hole sound.
0: <laughs> oh, you knew I was loading it up. No. Like, uh, Another way kind of to uh, to use Boink to look at alternate realities or other dimensions is CERN, LHC. So when you get into really small particle physics, you're playing with some funky, funky concepts down there. Yeah, like uh, quarks and stuff. Yeah, so do these things, like when they jump from one, in, one point in space to another one instantaneously, how do they get there? Maybe they slip through another dimension? Or uh, quantum tunneling? quantum tunnel what is all that stuff right so there's there's uh it might not be exactly in the way that uh the person here is thinking but there are ways to um tangentially study uh dimensions with blank. primarily i guess seti at home listening for aliens and stuff and, and rifts in
1: space time
0: rifts in space i wish
1: um, yeah but i guess the closest that you're going to get to that sort of project is as you said lhc at home with some
0: we can stretch anything to fit on Boink, even these impossibilities you're talking about. Uh, we just see, need I someone to even... program it and prove us wrong. <laughs> exactly. Um, one, one other um,
1: project that can't go on to Boink is essentially non computable projects. In its name, it basically says you just basically can't compute them, and it's stuff like uh, processing waveforms. So, um, well, an example is processing waveforms. Um, so, for example, uh, for those of you that don't know, because the sound coming out of, com- out of your computer or out of your speakers, listening to me right now, is not perfectly smooth. You might think it's like a smooth, like sine wave, vibrating back and forth, and then that vibrates the air and vibrates ears, but it's actually not. It looks like steps. It's like a really jagged line. If you zoom in really, really close, it's actually big jagged lines. Whereas with sound from natural sounds, such as a guitar, it is a perfect sine wave. And so essentially with computers, you can't get that perfect sine wave. I mean, you can get pretty perfect, but you can't get perfect perfect. And that's how essentially computer sound works. And that's an example of a non-computable project where you're processing pure waveforms, which is essentially not possible without some sort of analog computational system, which do exist huh that's something i just learned analog computers yeah they're, they're pretty they're pretty cool they were used back in the day uh they're not used that much anymore because i mean it's all digital data now um but yeah they were used for i think stuff like uh telemetry like telephones and stuff like that
0: cool uh those are all the projects
1: we can't do with boink are those all of them that's all that i could think of there's probably more like i don't know trying to stimulate the human brain that we probably can't do on boink but who knows Building a tree fort.
0: Boink won't do that. Oh, yeah, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Playing the stock Uh, markets. Boink can't do that. (laughs) But again, these are all just challenges to be overcome. I'm looking forward to someone building a Boink project where I run it on my computer and it builds me a tree fort. First, it's going to need to grow the tree, though. <laughs> a, fract- a fractal tree for it. <laughs> uh, how cool would that be? Oh, I wonder if they could do design on Boink. I, I've, I've been interested in
1: that. I've um, Back in back in the day when I was doing programming as a kid, I was always interested in, um, oh, what's it called? Programming art. Because uh, if you guys know, uh, if, if you don't know, there's a guy called Dan Schiffman. You can go search him on YouTube. He does the coding train. And oh, my God. He was just so inspiring. He did so many programming art stuff in processing. And uh, P 5js um, and oh, it was so good. And I've always had this little thing in the back of my head: I want to do a, I want to make a program that generates art.
0: Cool. And also, like with, uh, they're starting to use computers to uh, and machine learning, I think, to design things uh, because they they figure out that there are very efficient ways to design stuff that isn't always symmetrical. And we as humans generally design things symmetrically. So they're building some really cool, uh, just objects and you can see like they're doing small stuff that they 3d print with really weird designs uh to make them use little material as little material as possible but be as strong as possible and they're almost symmetrical but not quite and it's really cool to see well not only are they
1: great at um asymmetric stuff but they are great at really funny stuff, too. <laughs> if you've ever played, like, um, a game online where there's an AI that generates the text for you, it's it's hilarious. Like, I know there's one, I think, called AI Dungeon or something like that, where it's just an AI that does, um, what's it called? Uh, Dungeons and Dragons-style roleplay sort of stuff. Last time I tried it, I kept going north and kept going into forests and seeing tribes and stuff, and then I kept going north, and I kept going into tribes and seeing forests, until I decided to go out, and then I went down this road all alone, and then suddenly someone's behind me and says, hey, I'm John. And then now he's my friend, and now we're going through dungeons, and uh, I tried to trap him in a room, and suddenly the entire room exploded, and we both died.
0: Uh, sounds so you've got like some pretty to eyes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, well, uh, we'll wrap up on that story because that's a pretty good story. <laughs> I yeah, will yeah. bring in what Coleslaw says here uh, in, in regards to other distributed computing infrastructure. He says that there is Dreamlab, Folding at Home, Prime 95, or the GIMPS project, uh, Crayfish, and Distributed.net. And those are other distributed computing infrastructures that he can think of off the top of his head. And I will say that is a pretty comprehensive list. Uh, the Crayfish
1: uh, project really annoys me because it's not Crayfish, it's Crayfish.
0: It's like they just... Unless Gotham, he made a typo.
1: Because, right, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have Gotham with uh,
0: CPDN. So that's pretty good. Uh, yep, now I can't... I, I'm only, like, I'm tunnel-visioned onto the word crayfish, and it's... Uh, I'm getting angry. Can you yeah, got to stop this before we, I Hulk, man.
1: We need more science acronyms. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so we'll, uh, we'll wrap this up here. Thank you everyone in the chat for joining us and participating this week. We will see you next week when we're talking about science and boink, and in two weeks when Delta's doing another project brief. Delta, what are you doing it on? I'm doing it on Milky Way at Home
1: and continuing the space theme that we're going through. Awesome.
0: Looking forward to it. Uh, His episode on asteroids at home will be uploaded at boink.network, the website shortly after this episode. So be sure to come back and check that out too. It was a really fun discussion. Uh, otherwise, have a great rest of the weekend, everyone. Delta, have a wonderful Saturday because it's already the weekend for you. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is how I ramble <laughs> to sign off.
1: Just roll the outro.
0: No, no. no. <laughs> No, No. (laughs) it's just suffering.